Hard work and hustling comes second nature to our Latino Latinx community. But is that really a good thing? We will explore that with our special guest and more. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. This is Jen Hempel, your host. In our culture, we are no strangers to hard work. We are brought up with a great work ethic, but also with the mentality that we have to work hard. But when it comes to working hard, what does that really mean? Is there a better, more effective way to work hard? Europeans are known to take their time off, right? And in our Latin American countries, we have a good bit of holidays, religious or cultural. I know in Colombia, we call them puentes. Side note, if I'm not mistaken, Colombia is known to have the most holidays in the world. You can actually check on that for me. <laughs> in the U.S., that's a whole nother story. The U.S. culture does not know how to take time off. Am I right? Today, we are going to be talking to Jenny Opal, who has written a whole book exploring the hustle culture, the good and the bad about working hard in her book that is interestingly enough called In Action. Today, she is going to share with us how the hustle culture can be damaging and what we can do instead. Now, Jenny Opal is no stranger to hustling and working hard. She has 20 plus years of experience driving transformational growth by challenging existing norms in Fortune 500 telecom, e-commerce, and retail companies. As a business and tech growth strategist, both board advisor and thought leader, she continues to pave innovative paths for progress and success. And most recently, she was a vice president of strategy at a $12 billion North American retailer. Lista, let's go meet Jenny. Bienvenida, Jenny, to the Her Dinero Matters podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here to learn more about you. And I am just learning about your work. I am so enthralled in what you do. It just really perked my interest, which is the reason you're here. So welcome. Thank you so much for your kind words, Jen. And it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Now, in this podcast, we always talk about our money stories, Jenny. So if you could take us back in time to maybe when you were a little girl or some point in time where you saw something, heard something, experienced something that really impacted you in the way that you see money, even until today? That's a great question. I grew up in Mumbai and the Indian culture that I grew up in was all about savings. 
you know, you save your way to success. Whereas the American values are around investing your way to success. And uh, I came here for grad school and I clearly stayed on. There's an interesting memory I have in my career. So I have 20 plus years in corporate America as well as, you know, supporting startups. And I was two or three years into my working life, my job. And I was working for a telecom company. Having grown up in India, I understood when companies made products and sold products. I did not understand the concept of a company that sold services. And I remember I was very curious about how do they make money? I did not understand how do they make money. I was an engineer and I had this simple curiosity, how on earth does this company make money? Like how do the books balance? And I thought that if I were to become this other role, which is on the business side, I'll learn it. So it was interesting for me that I changed my career from engineering to something else because I wanted to understand how do you make money. And in reflecting in my career, I've always been very interested in the business model. How do you make money out of this idea? So even though I'm a technologist, I always consider technology as an investment you make, not as a cost center, which is how everybody used to think about technology as IT. So it's shaped my career even though it was, it's usually a curiosity, like, how do you make money out of this? <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting. And I'm really excited to dive into this because you wrote a book about the hustle culture. So I'm curious to know, how do you define hustling or the hustle culture? And what are just some characteristics of it? And why is it so attractive to people? Mm, such a great question and so relevant right now. So my book is called In Action, Rethinking the Path to Results. And the book is a little bit more than the hustle culture. It is about our tendency where we want something, success, money. And we think that to get that success, I've got to take a lot of action. I've got to do, do, do. And the book is presenting an alternative approach that if you just take a pause, and the pause could be a few hours, a few seconds in the middle of a conversation, better ideas will come forth. So instead of chasing the result, let the idea come to you. When it comes to hustling and hustle culture, I do want to distinguish between hustling, which is working hard, schlepping is another word that I've used. <laughs> you have to pull your weight. There's a project coming. You got to get it out the door. That is different from hustle culture, where we seem to have fallen into a lifestyle of 80-hour work weeks. And we've been doing this for months and years. Originally, the idea of hustling or the gig economy was, let me do a few things and I'll make enough money and I'll be independent young and then I don't have to work for a living. That promise hasn't panned out for many. And not because there is anything wrong with the idea of gig economy, but it is the tendency you fall into this trap of constantly running the hamster wheel and you haven't paused enough to re-strategize. To ask yourself, is this gig paying for itself? Is this worth continuing to do? And that's what I want to encourage people to do is take pauses. I'm not saying stop or give up. Give it a break. Reconsider and a better idea will come forth. I love it. And I love how brilliantly titled the book is in action. So in action as in not doing anything and in action, like at the same time that you're 
inactive, if you will, that you're really in action because you're taking that pause, the pause that you speak of, because when you do that, you're taking care of yourself. And I've always been a big proponent of self-care. And self-care is taking that moment to pause because if you take care of yourself, you have so much jumbled up in that brain and it's foggy. It's foggy and that pause that you're talking of really helps us clear that fog with our mind clear. We can make better decisions and really come up with maybe better ideas for what we're doing. So like, that's what I say when I saw this, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to have her on because I love this idea and your message. Now I'm curious to know if you have had personal experience. I have a feeling, yes, but have you had personal experience and really maybe at one time you're hustling and really didn't take those pauses? So talk to us about that and maybe some lessons that you've had. In many ways, Jen, I wrote the book for (laughs) self-coaching. I need this advice, (laughs) perhaps more than anybody else. But while I was giving myself advice, I thought, let me validate. So the book really started with the curiosity. I myself have been, I've drunk the Kool-Aid on being action oriented. And when I look to my life, I could easily point to, look, I took these actions and which is why I got the results. But in looking back, I realized before every big, bold move that I made, where I took a big action, I pivoted in my career a couple of times. I moved from one country to another. There were all these moments of thoughtful pauses. I was reflecting. I just don't like being in that phase. I hate it. And I don't want to acknowledge it. I only want to talk about, look, I did this. I just don't want to acknowledge that there was a period of me reflecting. In the book, I share a story. This is really from my personal life. There are smaller examples that happen all day long. But I lost my parents very young. Mm. And in my mind, I was new to this country. In my mind, I'm losing a family. I've got to fill this gap. And I have to do it by myself because I'm away from my family and loved ones. I need to do something about it. And my default thinking in those days was to get married because that's what one does to get a family. I rushed into a marriage, which was the wrong decision to take. But the moment I realized that this was absolutely the wrong decision to make, you know, the wrong person to get married to, the wrong thing to do. Again, I had the option of a quick divorce because that is possible in the United States. This time, however, I had learned my lesson that in a state of urgency, I think I'm doing the right thing. But in that state of mind where I'm in a state of emergency, I may take the wrong decision. Now to undo it, I shouldn't now take another quick decision to undo the first wrong decision. So I, I spent time, I you know, tried to work it out. Finally, I did make a divorce. It happened. Both of us decided that we would get divorced. My lesson learned from this experience was if I give myself enough time, the right decision comes at the right time and it's very organic. It is not a fight. We parted on very good terms and the whole process was remarkably smooth considering how these things can go. That was one of my earlier realizations that rushing into action is not good, but then rushing out with another action is also not a good idea. That's interesting. And I'm curious to know, because again, you mentioned the pause and by the pause, it helps. You just mentioned the decision, it became organically and at the quote unquote right time. But today we live in this culture where 
There's a lot of debt. I think let's not even get started with student loans. There's a lot of that too. We're in the pandemic. People don't have a lot stashed in savings. Maybe they haven't contributed to their retirement. There's so many things financially. So there's a lot of stress levels. So of course, you mentioned the gig economy. We were told we need to make more money. And you get in this cycle of hustling, right? And I would like to peel the layers back a little bit because if we take a pause in order to be able to get ahead on our goals, let's say, okay, well, Jenny said, take a pause. And then like you, you felt like, oh my gosh, I got to get a divorce, but you took that pause to think it over. And then we take the pause and then we don't see anything happening. And then we get stressed and oh my gosh, I'm still in this debt. I'm never going to get out of this hole. What am I going to do? Tell us like, how do we navigate this, especially in a time where stress is, you know, I can't say it an all time high, but stress is high financially for a lot of people. You're describing the state of mind of so many. And it is so unfortunate that we find ourselves in a crisis that's been going on for quite a while. I will simply share a story from the early stages of pandemic with regards to money and money management. When the pandemic started in uh, early 2020, I did not have a job. Before the pandemic started, I was very confident I'll find a job. I'm in retail. The pandemic came and the retail industry got hammered. And I knew this is not the right time to get into anywhere without understanding what I'm walking into. And I, I remember I went into a state of mind where I came under a lot of pressure because financially this could go on for a long time. And I have expenses. And what do I do? How do I manage my life? I did go into a very poor state of mind, for lack of a better word. The one thing I will say is if you are really in a poor state of mind, depressed, panicking, that is definitely not the time to take big decisions. You've got to find a way to de-stress yourself. In my case, I happen to have a meditation practice and I keep going back to that. It's fascinating for me to share this now, but for three or four months, I was very stressed out and I happened to go on a meditation silent retreat, something I do once in a while. I came out of that and that clears my head. You need to do something to clear your head. You go for a walk, go for a hike, do something. It was fascinating when I came out of it, I realized that I was not claiming unemployment benefits, even though I was entitled to. I was so sure I would find a job that it was a simple source of income, for lack of a better word, that I had not realized. It was silly. It was irresponsible on my part. And that's a small thing. But I started looking at my entire PL in this rational and more stable state of mind. Now, when I look at my PL, so to speak, you know, my income and expenses, I can now make intelligent decisions around either cutting expenses or increasing income or finding new sources. People do this all the time in their business, whether you're a solopreneur or manage large teams. We intrinsically, most of us do know how to manage our money. It's just that we go into a fear-based thinking. Exactly. And your brain stops, your brain freezes. And from that place, almost any decision you make isn't going to serve you. So I feel like the more of a crisis you are in, the more just give yourself a genuine break. I agree. Of course, it's easier said than done, especially if you're in this moment, you're listening and you are in that state of stress or 
you're dealing with high anxiety with over some money related situation. And something that you also talk about is a strategic pause. Is that different from the pauses that you speak of in your book? Talk to us about that. Inaction is usually associated with fear being frozen into inaction and inertia. The inability, you know, depression, when you're depressed, you're not motivated to do anything. What I'm talking about is strategic inaction, which simply means it's a choice. Similarly, when you're very afraid, you can also barrel into an action path, right? You do too much. So the motivating factor behind inertia and doing too much is the same. It's fear. It's lack of belief. Strategic inaction, as I describe it, is being thoughtful that I need to take a break because I need to put myself together before I make a decision. I will say don't underestimate the power of these thoughtful pauses because your brain has a way to come up with ideas. There's neuroscience research that says if you're not engaged in an activity, parts of your brain light up and they come together and they create solutions. Our tendency is to scroll social media, read all the bad news. We feed ourselves with anxiety-inducing data Mm. and information. So at the very least, stop. What good does it do to you to check the stock market for the 10th time today or your credit score? Is there a decision to be made right now? So withdrawing, stepping back, walking away from things that are producing anxiety, don't underestimate what a relief all of that will give to you. So really, if you're in a lot of stress and anxiety, the priority is to reduce the anxiety and get somebody to help, a counselor, a friend. But in that state of mind, I would strongly recommend don't make big decisions. I'm taking a quick second to interrupt your listening to remind you, this show relies on your support to continue to grow. If you get a ton of value, it would mean everything if you can hit the follow button on wherever you listen to, share with a friend, and give us a quick and honest review. Gracias y te mando muchos abrazos. So we've we've already identified some stress-inducing activities or actions that we take, like scrolling through social media, watching the news, checking the stock market, checking your credit score. What are some other examples just to really paint the picture? Because sometimes we do this so without thinking, mm-hmm. we don't even realize because we're just become so robotic at life sometimes that we don't realize that's what's causing the stress because we just keep going. We're robotic and we keep going and we keep hustling and we keep working and we keep doing this and that, that we don't realize. So what are just some examples of some other actions that we may take activities, things that we may do that could be causing stress, could be causing anxiety that you could just take a step back and do that. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. That strategic inaction that you spoke of. Right. We talked about a couple of things to stop doing. I'll add one more, which is 
finding people to talk to about how bad the situation is. Like the more you dwell on it, the more you discuss it, the more you're keeping alive. So one is to remove the sources of anxiety, news, well-meaning friends who are going to feed on that. Mm, (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Right? All of that can add to it. So reduce what is adding the anxiety. And then on the other side, starting to do a few things that can automatically give you a feeling of well-being. For each person, it's a little different. There was a woman I met in a book talk. She said, kneading dough, she makes bread. It makes her feel better. It is a meditative exercise, going for walks, journaling, a hobby that makes you feel good, running, exercise. Everybody is different, but there is something in your life that gives you positive energy that lifts you up. Force yourself to do that. In the beginning, you may have to. In my case, I'm noticing every time I'm really distressed, I start walking more. As it is, I'm distressed. I know if I sit around, I'll be compelled to take action, which I shouldn't. So what do I do with my time? I go for a walk. And no matter what the weather is, I'll go. Find something that puts you in a different state of mind and do more of that. I like that. And another thing that I would add is just because at the heat of the moment, we may not think of that. And I'm thinking, as I'm listening you talk, I think, well, have those activities ahead of time, write them down somewhere. So when you feel that stress, you don't have to think, oh my gosh, what do I do? You you just, oh, I have this thing on my refrigerator or have this thing wherever in your wallet, wherever you may put it. So therefore you have that plan already. So you don't have to do much thinking, but you just look, okay, I'm going to do this right? I'm going to go for that walk or I'm going to sit here and color because for me, coloring helps. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and color by number. Wonderful. Color by number. So if you have those things, I think it would be helpful just to write those down, put them somewhere so it's easy because it's all about making things simple. And so that way you just go and do it. I think that's helpful as well. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is we've been living in this pandemic too long. (laughs) Oh my gosh, just thinking about it. I'm curious to know, like with the hustle culture, what role has it played on this great resignation that we're living? People are leaving their jobs. They've had time to reflect, oh, maybe I don't like this job. I'm going to do this other thing. What role has the hustle culture played on the great resignation? So hustle culture has been going on for a while. The pandemic served as a tipping point, which then led to a lot of people to say, I don't have to deal with this. I'm out of here. Thanks to stimulus and other ways that people have made money in the last couple of years in the stock market, some people actually have the affordability. They feel like they can walk away from their jobs. And that all those collective two or three reasons have led to the great resignation. As much as I empathize with people who've been dealing with, say, toxic work cultures or long hours for a long time. I've also started recommending people, before you quit outright, ask yourself, are you quitting from a place of frustration and anger? Or are you quitting from a place of knowing what you're about to do? And you're about to do could be a sabbatical. I don't care whether you go get another job or take a break. But leaving in a huff, leaving in a state of anger, again, you are dealing from a place of anxiety. The decision you're about to make may not serve you very well. There's a millennial mom that I coached a few months ago. She was about to quit without another job in hand. 
And because I know her, I told her, you perhaps first need to put yourself in a better state of mind. I don't care what decision you make. Perhaps you can afford to quit without a job. And why not be candid and transparent with your leadership? What is the worst that will happen? You're going to quit anyway, but at least talk to them about it. They worked out some things. Her leadership actually didn't want her to leave. They gave her a two-week break. She'd said that her client was a source of this toxic culture. They changed her client. They cooperated because they didn't want her to leave, and she stayed on. Six months later, she left anyway for a better job. She did the same thing. She quit. She changed her decision slightly. Instead of quitting outright, she took a job with somebody she knew. An old connection came up. So I personally don't care what your decision is. All I'm saying is don't make it in a state of frenzy or deep anxiety because you may have to undo it. That is such a great tip and a lot of wisdom there because that all plays into, again, I love the title of your book. That is in action. Like you're not taking the decision or you're not making the decision in a snap, but you rather you're being more strategic and you are really practicing inaction. Right. Taking some moment to pause, reflect, think. I really love that. I think that's very, very powerful. And I'm curious to know for someone that's picking up your book, by the way, when is it available? It's uh, out now. It was released in December of 2021. So you can buy it everywhere online. You buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Perfect, perfect. We'll have a link in the show notes. What would you say for someone picking up your book right now, they should look for that when they start reading the book, what is an, a, maybe a chapter, an aspect of your book that you're like, really pay attention. This is really key when you're reading it. What I will invite everyone is read the book to enjoy the journey. I wrote it in a, in a narrative style, which means it has stories, it has research, and it has opinion, and then stories from my own life. And I interviewed over 30 people. Not all the stories will resonate with you, and I cannot predict which one will. <laughs> so uh, taking a page out of the book, I will recommend don't make this book about a goal a solution to a problem. Make this about building self-awareness. Let it give you these aha moments. At the end of every chapter, I have contemplations, two or three things. And I say early on, I'm not asking you to answer the question. I'm asking you to ponder the question. In reading the book itself, I would say enjoy. And a lot of people actually love the narrative style. They love the stories. People have said they love the images because they are almost cartoonish, not quite. And I wanted to introduce some humor. One of the Amazon reviews said, reads like a novel, but it is like a textbook. So it's information, but it reads like a novel. So enjoy the reading of it. And something or the other will stick in your mind. And whatever sticks in your mind, please reach out to me. The best way to internalize new information is to talk about it, right? Don't let it just go in your head. So to make it integrate into your mind, talk to me, reach out or talk to a friend and share a story and see how it is relevant or not in your life. That's beautiful. And one last question, because I have loved this conversation. What has changed? Because you mentioned earlier that you wrote this book as a part of your journey in learning. As you finish the book, when you finish the book, how did you walk away differently? Was there anything, any highlight of your growth 
that you weren't expecting. <laughs> I also participated in the gig economy. I have real estate interests and there was a real estate deal to buy a property that I, I've been kind of watching this space for a couple of years. So there was the old me wanting to take action, like it's high time, but something in me was not sure. Now I recognize that sign in me that the conflict, like do it or wait, is it the right deal? I called a friend who's my mentor in real estate matters. And he looked at my financials and he said, good, but this is not a great deal. And he said, if, if that's what's troubling you, then this is not a great deal. And then he joked, he said, you know, I read this book called Inaction Rethinking the Past Results. <laughs> I was like, great. Quoting um, you. <laughs> yes. Thank you for using my book on me. It's the awareness that builds up, the awareness that grows. So I'm still the same action-oriented person, but now the signal is stronger, which makes me ask myself, really, is this the right decision to make? Is this the action to take? Is now the time the action to take? And then if I can't control myself, I'll ask somebody else to help me out. <laughs> and they may quote you from your book. <laughs> and they may quote me from my book. Fair enough. <laughs> I love it. And for those of you that are listening that are that action, just like Jenny and, and like me that think I got to move, I got to move. It's all about taking action. And that's how I get to my goals and all that. One thing that has really helped me because I am that type of person that goes, goes, goes and goes. Because if I don't go, I feel like I'm not going to get to where I really want to go is this quote that I actually, or this I don't know if it's an affirmation, but I had a guest on by the name of Rachel Luna years ago, and she said something that to this day that resonated so much. It says something like, if I take the time I need, I get the time I want. So if you feel like you're losing that time, remember that because I can't tell you how much that saying has helped me, especially when I'm just like, oh my gosh, I haven't done enough or I haven't accomplished enough, but I'm really tired. If I take the time I need, I get the time I want. And I'm telling you that has been so helpful. Well, Jenny, any parting words, anything that you would like to share about the book or maybe like a takeaway before we wrap it up? The takeaway I would recommend is the busier you are, the more you need to take time out for yourself. And it sounds totally counterintuitive. And don't make this about taking a vacation or waiting for your vacation. Take 10 minutes today. Just do that much for yourself today. And that's a good enough starting point. Beautiful. Well, Jenny, this has been a fabulous conversation. Congratulations on your book. <laughs> Again, that title is genius. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I applaud you for the work for, that you're doing the example that you're setting and your leadership. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a joy. If you couldn't tell, I loved, loved this conversation. And I'm going to tell you why. We Latinos, as I mentioned at the beginning, work darn hard, especially when we come to the U.S. because we are taught that's what we have to do to succeed in this country. I know I not only heard get an education and work hard, but I witnessed it with my own eyes in my family, how hard they work, the importance of education, the notion 
of strategic and action, which Jenny talked about, is so powerful to me and aligns with everything I believe in and teach when it comes to finances. I know I have said this before here and there on the podcast, and you may have heard it and you may have not. So if you may have not, I'm repeating it again today. But when you take a break, you take some time off to really relax and give your brain a chance to breathe and allow that fog that is taking up space of everything going on. You allow that fog to leave because all that stress, all the thoughts of everything that you have to do, all of that is creating fog. It's taking up space in your brain. So taking that break allows that fog or allows your brain some space to think. And once that happens and that fog, that space opens up, it allows you room to think and make better decisions. And when it comes to your money, that is powerful. Can you see how? That overwhelm that you may feel around your finances, when you allow that time to relax, to take a break, I'm going to call it. (laughs) When you allow that to happen, that overwhelm you feel is lessened. And then from there, you are able to see solutions and actions that you can take that before you didn't see or that before that seemed so daunting. It's like that task. Have you ever had this happen? I'm sure you have because I have this happen sometimes, but it happens. So you have a task that just you've been procrastinating for one reason or another. And you can't think clearly why, because you have so much stuff in your brain, right? There's so much stuff is taking up space in your brain. And then you decide to take a break because you've had enough, you know, enough is enough. You take a break. You just have to disconnect from whatever you're doing and you take that break. And then you come back to that task. You proceed with that task. And somehow, miraculously, you find it easy and not so overwhelming. Have you had that happen? I know you have. Tell me you have. (laughs) I know you've been there. I've been there. And I've been there multiple times. And I'll probably be there again because life happens. That's why it's just this conversation I felt was so important to have, to really realize we sometimes we get caught up in this cycle and this hamster wheel of we got to continue working. We can't stop. We can't stop. But that moment of inaction, that moment of taking that break, that moment where we're not doing anything does something fabulous for us. It allows us to just think. And that's what you want to be able to do, to think clearly, because with thinking clearly, you're able to see so many possibilities, have solutions to whatever is going on, and be able to make better decisions. And financially, like in any part of your life, but but this is a personal finance podcast. So financially, that is such a game changer. If you enjoyed this conversation, I really encourage you to get a copy of Jenny's book. Again, her book is called In Action, and that link is in the show notes. You can also visit her website, which is JennyOpal.com. And instead of spelling it out right now, just go to the show notes, and that way you can 
access her website, which is also linked up in the show notes. Now, June is coming up. We're in the middle of May at this moment that this podcast is out. And in June, normally I like to take a break. And usually in June, when I take this break, I normally leave you with replays of previous episodes or some sort of mini episode. This year, though, I have been thinking about this of what am I going to do for this break? Because in essence, when I'm doing these replays or these mini episodes, it's not really a break. (laughs) It's not. And I'm trying to lessen the load. And why I'm wanting to lessen the load, and speaking of inaction, how convenient that I'm talking about this right at this very episode. It allows me to take a moment. So I have a moment to just breathe and be able to be more creative and really continue to provide you with quality episodes. So this year, I'm not going to do replays. I'm not going to do many episodes, but I'm instead, I'm just going to leave you with a very short audio, two, three minute audio of what you can do in place of listening to our normal episodes on this podcast. Of course, some of that audio may be referring you to a previous episode. I'm just not going to put the replay, okay? But I am going to give you some sort of task that should you take me up on it, you can go ahead and do. Again, in doing these two, three-minute audios, it's not a heavy task. This will give me some time for me and my team to take strategic inaction. You see what I did there? This way, my team and I can continue to create powerful episodes for you. I want you to know, if you don't know already, I've been doing this since 2015 and for seven years now. And I want to make sure that the quality doesn't lessen, which means if I'm feeling tired, I don't want to get to the moment of being burnt out. So I'm trying to talk or walk my talk of taking care of myself and taking some time to relax and do what Jenny talks about, about taking that strategic inaction. Next week on the podcast, we will be talking to Valeria Aloe. She's a fellow Latina who shows us how to unlearn cultural limiting beliefs so we can thrive in new spaces. Don't miss it. Bueno pues, that is everything. I appreciate you choosing this podcast to listen to and taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. You can check out the show notes over at jenhempel.com forward slash 309. Remember, being the reina of your money starts at this very moment simply by claiming it. I believe in you, and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Ciao.